Okay, Nevin, can I tell you a secret? Oh gosh, sure. Are you ready for this? I hope so. 100% ready? I can't be. <laughs> um, I don't feel inherently female. Hmm. Like, I don't. Like, I don't feel inherently male either. Um, while generally I identify as a cisgender woman, I guess, uh, I don't know if this is entirely accurate. Like, I'm 100% feel like a black person. Like, I feel mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't think I would ever identify as a non-black person. But I don't feel the same way about my gender. Mm. You know? I just feel like a person, not a woman, not a man. Mm. Just a person. Nothing. Mm. You know? Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. But you know how some people are like, yeah, of course. Like, of course I know I'm a woman and I feel like a woman. and. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way. Yeah. You know? Um, could it be, perhaps, perhaps, that the idea or even your view of, like, what woman is, is, like, staked in, like, whiteness and white woman and the gender roles that come with that really conflict with the gender roles of a, like, black woman? I had a feeling you might say something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Hello there, listeners. We want to welcome you back to Flesh and Bold. We are happy to have you join us, and this week we're going to talk about trans women. Yeah, and you know, I was saying earlier, like, I don't identify with feeling a certain gender gender specifically. So even though that's true, I thought we could discuss gender, especially transgender women, because these women experience specific challenges. And admittedly, you know, I don't think about all of these challenges that trans women face. And I think that is probably due to some of my privilege as a cis-presenting woman. Um, But, you know, I've grown in my awareness and knowledge regarding the experiences of trans women. But I still have a long way to go. Even the terms, I feel like I have a long way to go. Part of my growth in this journey is by having a brother who is part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and part of it is me doing my own hard work and people challenging my <laughs> my notions of gender and identity and all of the things in between. Nevin, could you mind sharing or would you mind sharing how you identify when it comes to gender? Yeah. Well, I, I'm still a little bit shook. <laughs> um, but, and that is, I think, my own, right? Uh, transphobia or heteronormativity that would lead me to be surprised mm. by you uh, um, by hearing that uh, you more. identify as a gender. Well, right uh, when we think about um, gender and things, we I think we think about gender performance, and that's mm. what leads us to misgender folks or to assume that because someone is wearing a skirt and has their nails done that that person identifies as she or um, as as femme, uh, right? And they could identify like mask AF. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're just wearing a a skirt in in these ways um, in which we have come to think that gender is supposed to be when it comes to femme. But um, yeah, Uh, when it comes to my gender identity, um, it's interesting because this is... You know, on my journey 
uh, of being queer. Um, you know, I first I was like, you know, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, um, so sexual orientation, I was like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man attracted to men. I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, started um, uh, seeing the how gender is truly like a social construct mm-hmm. and um, felt like more fluid um, in terms of like my own kind of gender and performance and expression um, and feelings. And then, and I thought that was going to be my last, like, oh, like, uh, understanding of my queerness, but because I then, you know, realized that um, I identify as que- uh, when it comes to gender identity, queer, mm-hmm. or some would specify gender queer. But I was like, well, if I if gender is basically this social construct, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really exist, that, and I am not man or woman, mm-hmm. and I am therefore can I, can I be attracted? to another thing that doesn't exist. Mm. And so it was, um, so then I revisited my sexual orientation. Wow, Um, this is deep. Yeah, (laughs) and like, am I actually gay? Like, and like, uh, or is that the best way to describe my my experience Mm. of uh, my sexuality? And it it wasn't, and I only come to realize that because of my growth and my, uh, gender identity and the awareness building that happened in that process. And that also, I think, opened me up to expand what is my definition, like what does it mean to be man? What does it mean to be woman? What does it mean to exist um, in between that and outside of that? And what am I attracted to in between and outside of those things? Mm. Um, and essentially, I'm just really attracted to masculinity. Um <laughs> Uh, I would say traditional ideas of masculinity, and it doesn't really matter. Um, so you would be who, attracted to a trans man who is yeah masculine, uh, masculine. Presenting. Well, well, what's funny is for the longest time I would go to like gay bars, and um, I'd be like, "Damn, that person is super sexy." Mm-hmm. I was like, "But that's a lesbian." <laughs> I'm not like, like I. That's, that's not right. And um, and I was like, they're they're to me the most attractive person, and I would do things and make out and yeah with the person. But I was like, I was so caught up on they're lesbian. Mm. They have a lesbian identity, which means they're a woman, which means that I'm not attracted to them. Oh, interesting. And so I think to answer your question, it's beyond just like I would be attracted to a trans man. I would be attracted to. Uh, uh, like butch l- lesbian, right? Yeah. And and uh, and be kind of open to those things. Wow, because, mind blown. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so I I think that's been to me an interesting journey because when in my mind when you come out you're like coming out as gay and you're like you did the thing and <laughs> you right self discovery right. you're done journey's done exactly and um. It was just, it's interesting to be where I am now, but beyond interesting, I feel like liberated and free, mm. f- f- like free um, in this. You know, this reminds me of our conversation that we had with Aliza Pressman mm-hmm. on her podcast of Raising Good Humans. Do you remember that? Because yep. one of her questions or one of the things that we talked about is like, can it change? Can your 
identity, can your expression, can all of those um, facets of you change? And it was a tough question for us to answer because mm. on one hand, we, we you were talking specifically about trans folks and how people have used that against them to say, oh, well, this is just a phase pipe down. Like, that's, right. this is not real. But on the other hand, very real. Like, yes, like these are boxes that have, uh, that have been created for people to like sit in or not. Right. And so, of course, they may change because they're not even they're not they're a box that was made by somebody else. Right. Yes. So you might flow in and out and in between all of those boxes. Yes. Yes, which is because of that is also why I'm still like I'm shook at that I was shook by you. I think it's just like you like know a person your whole life and I think it's with any coming out. Like you just sprung this out on me and like <laughs> here I am remembering my coming out to you. Uh and yeah, good for you. I feel like your coming out is is much bigger. Mm. Right? I mean, I feel like your coming out has implications in a way that, like, my coming out to you necessarily doesn't because it doesn't necessarily in this moment change, like, like anything that I would do outwardly facing. Mm. Right? Like, I feel like in your coming out, it, it almost not give you permission because that's not the right word, but like it allowed us to see a different facet of you so that you could be and you could live the way you would like to live. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I'm curious what's to make you think that you coming out won't give us or me Mm. and our listeners permission to now view you or allow you to have this experience of being a gender. Yeah, because I don't know what I would do differently, mm. right? And I think for all intents and purposes that I would probably be doing the same thing. And it and it's more because of like, um, laziness is not the right word, but I don't know how else to do or to be. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like. Yeah. I'm not going to necessarily go and, and buy, like, man's clothes. I'm not going to yeah. be all of a sudden, right. like, a, a a person who presents as male or presents as masculine. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like neither one of those things. Yeah. So what do I do differently? How You know, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, nothing comes to my mind right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think what I hear in that is that, luckily, um, within your experience of, gender and gender performance, you've been able to live a life in which you don't feel very incongruent, at least in the way that you act, behave, and how that is with your gender. Yeah, I I feel like people see me as a female or woman because I present myself that way, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't necessarily feel like Mm-hmm. Like, oh my, you know, like, ah, oh, every woman, you yeah. know, that's like, I don't feel like that. Got you. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm, I'm just curious. Do you, do you think that you'll change your pronouns? I was or, thinking or about that. Open? Yeah. I, I would not like he, him, mm-hmm. his, but like, would I be cool with they, them, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know. Okay. Like, I, I think I would feel offended by he, him. Yeah. But I don't know that I feel that same way about they, them. But every time I put she, her, I'm like, okay, like, 
whatever, like she, her. Yeah. But it could be anything except for he, him. Like it could be they, them. It could be, um, uh, what's the other one? Z, uh, Z, yeah, Z, like it doesn't matter to me. Got you. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to shift because where I was going to go is like, yeah, maybe once again, I'm not trying to figure it out or say it's less than, but. Yeah, maybe it's a re- rejection of the patriarchy and all, 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 all of its structures. Yes. <laughs> Snaps to that. Oh, oh my yes. gosh. But um, in thinking of, like, the patriarchy, I think in society, it, uh, the patriarchy, the other systems of oppression have really um, unfortunately come together to not create a great experience for trans women. Yeah. And in fact, um, trans women face many challenges in this world today. For example, trans women are at heightened risk for domestic violence and sexual assault. Specifically, 16% of trans women have experienced domestic violence in the last year compared to 7.5% of cisgender women. And even within that, trans prisoners are 10 times more likely to be victims of sexual assault than the general prison population. Yeah, that's that's awful, and it, it has to change, right? Um, there's more statistics, too, that are disheartening and action-oriented. The National Center of Transgender Equality says that one in five transgender people in the U.S. have been discriminated against when they're seeking a home. And then more than one in 10 have been evicted from their homes because of their gender identity. Mm. So for nothing more than how they identify. And then they go further to say that family rejection and discrimination and violence contribute to a large number of transgender and other LGBTQ plus youth who are homeless in the U.S. So that's like an estimated 20 to 40 percent of more than 1.6 million youth are homeless. And that, like, cannot go on. Yeah, that's wild. I I know that when it comes to trans folks, also uh, some of how they're treated and some of these disparities that happen are even worse when we look at trans folks, who trans folks and trans women specifically who are at the intersections of things such as race, so mm-hmm. trans women of color specifically, being some of the people who are most vulnerable. Um, yeah, or made to be vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah. So there's some other challenges. You know, we talked just now about homelessness, but what else? Um, Things like where to use the bathroom. Things like interviews, jobs, unemployment. Being fetishized, harassed, ridicule, discrimination. Family rejection, isolation, which then prompts homelessness. Yeah. Being uh, in constant fear because of violence and bodily harm. Having psychological stress and mental health conditions like depression and suicide. Not being able to trust people who are supposed to protect you, like police. Yeah, and then one that sticks out to me is obsession with their genitalia. Like, have you used transition? What do you have? What do you not have? Mm. Other folks do not have to answer those questions. Right. So I'm gonna be a little vulnerable here. I love this. This is uh... well. This is the year we said we were gonna be vulnerable sure. and grow and learn more and um, try to push ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna be honest. I think I was 
extremely transphobic in my thinking without mm. even really knowing it. Mm. I I actually thought I was being more on the side of sexual violence survivors and sexual assault provi- uh, survivors and trying to make sure that they had spaces that felt safe and they felt protected. Mm. I think I was worried about the comfort of them and when they shared spaces with folks that were um, transgender mm. or um, gender nonconforming. So for example, like bathrooms or other public spaces or other spaces that might be more private mm-hmm. um, and where they might be alone. And unfortunately, I'm not, I wasn't alone in that transphobic thinking. Mm. In 2018, a peer-reviewed journal um, called Sexuality Research and Social Policy concluded that um, that those are fears that people have about trans women or trans folks sharing spaces with cisgendered folks. But actually, there it's not it's it's not founded in evidence or mm. science, or the fears are not actualized. Um, the fears of increased risk of violence or harassment or um, sexual assault are just not true. Um, Usually sexual assaults and violence are by known assailants. So uh, a woman's friend or boyfriend or husband or, you know, male family member, um, not always cisgender, but generally cisgender folks that they know. And so I was reading an article um, in Time that said, you know, we are so willing to to give these cisgender men a pass mm. that we we point the finger to the unicorn or somebody that we we don't know as much about and say, oh, but we're worried about the the trans women or we're worried about the trans men. Mm. When really, the article is like, what you need to be worried about is your husband, your friend, your grandpapa, your mm-hmm. uncle, mm-hmm. and that's real. Mm. And so that really that really drove the point home for me, too, is like, yeah, I was like, well, should we share a bathroom? Like, what if you were a sexual assault uh, victim and you're really nervous about being around men? And so I really thought I was being pro-survivor. Mm. So... I appreciate your honesty and <laughs> vulnerability um, because I think some of like the nuances of that are also right when you when when I hear you, you say things you, you felt like you were being pro survivor um, and um, the idea is that women would feel unsafe around men I think is the nuance in that is that trans women are women are women yeah yeah and and that's important. Can you just to say know. that again though? <laughs> Because that's important, and I think that's a part that I missed, you know, honestly. Yeah, uh, trans women are women, like peri- point, period. Uh, Full stop. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, and that's a, a conversation that I hope, like, we are, we are past. We're and, not. And, no. like, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let me just tell you, like, being a trans woman in the era of Trump must Mm. have been horrifying. Mm. I mean, even before Trump, I know it was, you know, you're at the risk of violence and death and so many things because of people's transphobia. Yeah. But under Trump specifically, oh my goodness. I mean, Trump reversed two Obama-era policies protecting transgender people, Mm. one involving schools and the other involving the military. And even more so, like, in the summer of 2020, you know, when we had the reawakening of Black Lives Matter and and racial um, 
um, discord in this country. There was an article again in Time that entitled was entitled "Fears About Transgender People Are a Distraction from the Real Struggles of All Women," mm. where it was a where they were highlighting a problematic essay by J.K. Rowling called called Turf Wars. And essentially, Jacob Rowling was saying that transgender rights, women's rights, impinge on cisgender women's rights. Mm-hmm. And by focusing on them, that we're, we're forgetting real women. I, I roll at r- yeah. real real women. Yeah, yeah. I think in being vulnerable, a, a, a big piece of this journey that we're, we're set off, um, set on for this year, um, we're being vulnerable, but also building empathy and understanding. And I think... Um, to hear about one way we do that, right, is to put ourselves in the shoes of folks. And so, like, as you said, what must it have been like Mm -hmm. to be um, a trans woman under the Trump era? And um, one thing that we didn't really talk about when it comes to their mental health uh, have huge and different disparities when it comes to suicidality. Um, And one of uh, those areas is when... um, uh, trans women uh, have been treated unequally. Um, 13% of those folks um, go on to have a suicidal attempt. Mm-hmm. And that was done from, um, that was from a study from the Williams Institute from UCLA Law. And so when I think like the idea of Trump or whoever just being a face that kind of shares this information and like we don't, you, you, you're voting for someone, but um, don't take into consideration how their policies affect folks. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially folks that aren't you. Yeah. Um, we do, you're doing people not only a great disservice, but you're really coming for their humanity. And so, you know, I would like to say, this reminds me of when they said um, Obama came through and fixed all that. I would, <laughs> I would love to say Biden has come through and fixed all that. He hasn't? Um, however, um, he, he did, um, try to overturn and change some things that Trump had done that made life difficult for trans folks. Mm -hmm. So, um, according to USA Today, President Joe Biden issued executive orders and one that was to prevent gender identity or sexual orientation discrimination and prohibit workplace discrimination in the federal government. And so this was popular, um, among the LGBTQ plus community, right? Uh, equality often is. Um, but Biden faced significant backlash from the hashtag Biden erased women social media campaign that, as USA Today, calls them conservative women's rights advocates. Mm. Um, you don't think they're really, they were really conservative? I hear I hear a tinge in, in your voice. No. Like an air quote around conservative. I mean, I mean, on the spectrum on left and right... I don't think they're on the right. Like, for example, so, and you, you talked about this with J.K. Roll, who, yeah, uh, um, anyway, uh, talked about turf wars, turf. So the idea, um, turf's an acronym standing for trans-exclusionary radical feminists. So mm-hmm. people who don't view trans women, feminists, right, who don't view uh, trans-, trans women as women. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of, like, a feminist, like, they want some things that are turf still that are not on the right. Uh, you know, women's rights to choose, um, the uh, 
equal um, pay for women. And they're excluding, they're saying we want this for all women except for trans women? Yes. They're, they're saying that they're not women. So, mm. um, so not that these issues don't affect trans women. They're saying those people over there are not women. So we're just talking about cisgender women. Correct. Got it. Yeah. When I started reading um, about this legislation and saw like hashtag Biden erased women, I was surprised by how many organizations that call themselves LGBTQ Q populations. Mm -hmm. Well, I shouldn't say LGBTQ because they weren't. They're actually LGB populations, mm -hmm. lesbian, gay, and bisexual, uh, like organizations that were like, yeah, Biden, Biden erased. erased women. And so these are queer people, right? Which once again, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the right. That's yeah. conservative views yeah. who are um, transphobic. Yeah, <laughs> these these same. Um, ideas, which I think is a part of another conversation that is the um, like intersectional systems of oppression mm -hmm. and how uh, folks within the LGBTQ plus community discriminate and hold bias and prejudice against uh, the folks within their community. And right. trans folks have often been at the brunt of that from time to time. Yeah, just because you're gay doesn't mean you're not transphobic or that you feel like, you know, bisexual people should have a place, right? Like, it just because you identify with a certain identity doesn't mean that you're, like, you know, you're welcoming to all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Nia, um, yes. I, I would like to circle back <laughs> to um, this, uh, your identity, gender identity as being agender. Can I say that when I give talks? Because sometimes I will be like, I think it's important to acknowledge who you are and what perspective you're coming from, right? And so I'll usually say I'm a black, cisgender woman, blah, blah, blah. So how should I, how should I say that? I'm a you, black. I think, I think that's what? on you to explore. <laughs> Gosh, give me the answer. I would, yeah, that's on you to explore. I would think that someone who identified as agender might say like I'm of the agender experience or mm. I identify as agender um, but when it comes to how you want to identify and share that with the world I think that's that's your journey <laughs> that's your journey to walk. Come on Professor Hurd I need some answers here all right sorry you were gonna ask me a question though. Yeah well I think right we talked about like how things won't change for you right yeah like in, in the grand scheme of things, in reality, behavioral, whatever, many things might not change. Yeah, because I can choose that. Well, now I have three more questions, actually. <laughs> but um, I wonder, do you think that you, you'll share this with your family? And by family, I mean your nuclear family, your husband and child. And do you think that would change anything for them? I mean, well, my family listens to the podcast, so there's that. Yeah. They'll know. But I, I feel like I've had conversations like this a little bit with mm. my husband. You know, like, like, do you feel male? Mm. And I feel like he has said, yeah, oh, definitely I feel male. I'm like, well, uh, I don't know. So I don't know that he'll be that surprised. Yeah. We're pretty open about stuff like that. Um, like, we haven't, we talk about a lot of stuff, 
I don't know if we've talked about me. We've talked about how he feels, and he very clearly will tell you, I feel like a boy inside. Yeah. You know? But I don't know that we've talked about me specifically. That's one of my favorite stories of your son is when he, when I was calling him girl. And I was like, girl, can you just focus or something? And I kept on doing it. And he very seriously said to me, puppy, puppy, listen, I feel like a boy on the inside. <laughs> and in the, in the sweetest of tones, I thought it was the most beautiful moment to this day I've ever witnessed as a human being because he was so serious and wanted to communicate with me that his gender identity was congruent with how he was, what he was assigned at birth and all that. And I, I said, you know what? Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. And I said, buddy, I call you girl. I was like, you know how people say, hey, dog, what's up? But they don't mean that you're a dog. Mm -hmm. It's just slang. That's the same way that I'm calling you girl. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay. <laughs> Hashtag progress. Um, shout out to the, to the, to the mothers that's out here raising their kids right <laughs> um but the okay so you don't think you're already kind of having these talks but i even wonder right yeah. like if this is like open conversation like i think in ways in which you might not think it might not change anything it might really give him or even his friends when they come over or something like a freedom to truly be themselves right and i know that's something like all parents hope that they're creating Mm -hmm. But I think until you, like, also be like, like, dog, I'm on the team, too. Like, I'm actually queer myself. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, for real? Oh, okay. Like, there's there's an, I think we talked about permission and the yeah. permission that coming out gives. But I think when we are, you know, ourselves and our identities and especially our marginalized identities, it gives other people permission to be themselves. That's true. And so I feel like that. I just don't happen. know how it's gonna look different. Like, I don't think it will, and maybe that's the point, right? Yeah. Maybe the point is like for you or no one else to assume who people are without asking them or inviting them or yeah. allowing them to tell you, to, to tell you right? Yeah. And that. so maybe that's fine that like my life might not change in how I look or what I wear or who I choose to have this conversation with may not change at all. And that might be okay, too. You know, I I hope people re rewind that back and listen to that. <laughs> There's just so many gems that I heard in there. Um, and maybe that's the point, right, to not assume. And But the other gem I heard is, like, in which I'm going to try to make a, a model, a, a motto, is um, invite people in to tell you who they really are. Um, so be so inviting that people feel like they can tell you who they really are. And as a counselor, right, that's a value that mm. um, I try to embody and have. Um, the only other thing is I thought I heard you say that you get to choose. I feel like, yeah. Can I you, feel like in some ways, right, like we talk about gender performance, mm -hmm. right? And I think... Um, why I wouldn't feel comfortable saying, um, you know, I am a member of the community or the family mm -hmm. is because I feel like 
I'm not marginalized in the same mm. way because I can I I can choose how how it is that I'm going to pre- present mm. myself or and I and I think I don't know I it's it's hard because you know I think a community or a culture is not only defined by marginalization so right. I don't want to make it sound like that but I also I also don't want to make it sound like you know so sometimes, right, if you come, if you have multiple intersections and most of them are privileged yeah. and you can kind of hide the marginalized right. one, then there's there's some, like, you, you don't get the full experience, right? Yeah. Like, you can hide behind some identities, or I shouldn't say hide. Right. That's not the right there. way to say it, but you know what I mean? You have other identities that kind of protect you from marginalization. Yeah. And so part of me wouldn't feel totally genuine yeah. right and saying like I'm a member of the family right because I have all these other whether it's gender performing right um, identities are real you know real like this is who I am this is how I feel that protect me from marginalization we just had a whole list yeah. of things that some trans folks experience obviously not all thankfully um, and that doesn't define them and who they are but also right yeah. like I have so many other privileged and protected classes that it would be hard for me to to be genuine to, to feel genuine in that um, proclamation yeah does that make sense it does make sense um, I heard a lot of points part part of them was right this feeling of um, the best way I can put it like you would feel like a fraud fraudulent to yes. identify within that because your you don't have this shared experience of marginalization which like that is important right Mm -hmm. um uh and i also hear you saying i think you use the word choose but i think it's really honestly if i'm to like apply a frame on it yeah i think it's like less of choice and more of luck like luckily the way Mm -hmm. in which you perform in general and Mm -hmm. not gender just perform Mm -hmm. it's congruent enough or close enough into a way that you're perceived that like oppression doesn't take place yeah and also internal conflict doesn't, doesn't take place doesn't happen yeah love that because I think if if internal conflict happened this would be a whole different exactly. conversation right exactly yeah 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 awesome I'm glad I blew your mind that may never happen again yeah I can't wait to tell mom <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's your it's your it's your. It's on the it's, podcast. It's, yeah, she was just push play. I, I hope you heard that, mom. <laughs> I just I, I just want to clarify the ideas, the the terms used of male and female used as um, adjectives, and I just feel like someone's gonna say something. Should be used as adjectives and descriptors of like male client uh female lion and when we talk about gender gender being woman man massness femme yeah and i'm sure i made a lot of mistakes in the course of this i i do know it in paper but in practice it's hard to yeah and so don't come for me on twitter please yeah i feel like you're you're in group now so i kind of (laughs) thank you for that that. i kind of on your journey it gives you some 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 face some some grace some more more grace on this journey Um, maybe
All right, listeners, tune in next month for another fabulous episode of Flesh and Mold. Yeah, as always, stay bold. Stay bold. <laughs>